You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What's going on, everybody? That time again, it's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 62 on this Tuesday afternoon, Mm -hmm. February 27, 2024. (laughs) Josh Calloway. James D. Jackson. No Tom Green today. He's a little under the weather. So it's going to be just James and I with you on a Tuesday. It's a loaded Tuesday. We're continuing our status report series. We've got offensive line, defensive tackles to break down on the program today. Oklahoma made a special teams hire. Jay Nunez's replacement has been brought in. We'll break that down a little bit as well, of course. And along with the weekend that was for OU basketball, very good weekend for uh, Porter Moser and Jenny Bronchek with some big Bedlam W's. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that, of course, as well. But James, let's start with our status report series. We've been doing this on the early week show the last few weeks. Um, we did quarterbacks, running backs to start. Then last week we did wide receivers and tight ends. Today we're going to wrap up the offense and get started on the defense with offensive line, defensive tackles. If you haven't been with us on the show, this is basically just like it sounds. It's just kind of a temperature check on those position groups. It's not a full breakdown or position preview. That'll come in the fall when things are more solidified. But just kind of a little check-in, just kind of a how are we doing in this group relative to where they were at the end of last season. So with that being said, offensive line to start, James, this has been the talked about position group of the <laughs> offseason. All five starters from last year are gone. All five. Mm-hmm. Amatoyer, Walter Rouse both graduated. Tyler Guyton and Andrew Rain both hit the draft early. Caden Green transfer portaled, uh, obviously, and transferred to Missouri. That was well-documented. We don't need to rehash all of that. So all five starters have moved on. Now, you did have Jacob Sexton start right at the very end of the year. So you do have somebody who had you know some starting experience at the end of last year. But outside of that, it's going to be an all-new group. They went heavy in the transfer portal. Gary and Hatchet from Washington. Spencer Brown from Michigan State. Fabechi Nwewu from North Texas. Michael Tarquin from USC. So they, they were very aggressive here, as we expected them to be, in the transfer portal, bringing a lot of guys in. And obviously, it's going to be year two or, or three for some of these guys in the system. There's a whole bunch of guys up coming through from Bill Biedenboe's, you know, recruiting his system that could be factors. Joshua Bates, Jake Taylor. I mean, there's a lot of names here. Mm-hmm. The question I've been asking you and Tom, more confident, less confident, the same from where we were at the end of last season Offensive line, it feels like it has to be less confident, right? I mean, how could it not be when you're replacing all five starters? Where are you at with this offensive line? What's your confidence level, I guess, that it's going to be okay? Because a lot of fans are are worried uh, about the offensive line. That's probably the biggest question mark on the team right now with all the turnover. Where are you kind of at right now with how things stand in, in the group that they have as spring ball comes up here in a couple of weeks? I mean, that's that's the uh, that's the, that's the general statement right now. It's 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 you're you're less, you know you're less confident than where you were at the end of the season. It just, it just makes sense, yeah. you know, having everybody, all those pretty much all five starters being replaced on an offensive line. And so it's kind of t- tough to even say, 
I feel good about this person. I feel good about that because as of right now, a lot of it's just names on, you know, on the, on the board. We haven't got a chance to really look at them eye to eye, you know, you know, well, well, I'm looking up to a lot of them. These guys are pretty, these guys are massive out there, but <laughs> looking at them eye to eye yes. and yes. seeing how they look on the field. I mean, I saw Jacob Sexton growing up. I mean, his, you know, his time growing up through Deer Creek and getting to watch him play, Oklahoma, you know, in, in Oklahoma high school football. That's a guy that I'm pretty confident in. I, I can, t I can tell you his skill sets and what he's going to bring to this offensive line, but you know, some of these guys we haven't got a, a you know a really good in depth look at just yet. You know, only thing we can see is the film study and and looking at the names on the on the on the board, as I said. So, not entirely sure just yet. It's just the uncertainty. The uncertainty is the where this offensive line is, and that's the biggest question. We talk about a lot of these groups uh, throughout. You know, just doing this little series here, and it seems like the offensive line is going to be the group that we just don't know enough about. Mm -hmm. at the, you know, during this time, so the uncertainty is the biggest thing. You know, that's the question mark. Last year, it was wow. the wide receivers who we didn't know. And they turn out to be one of the best units on the team. So sure. it could happen that way, but it could be, you know, not so good. So we just don't know at the time. So that's pretty much where I am right now with the offensive line. Yeah, no, it is very similar to the off to the wide receivers because it's not when, when we were going into the season last year with the wide receivers, it was a lot of a lot of just unproven commodities, but we knew the talent was there. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of guys, there's a lot of names. But who knows what it will actually look like when the game started. Like you said, it ended up being great. It was one of the best positions on the team. Mm -hmm. It feels similar with the offensive line right now because there are a lot of names. Also, there's all the transfers I just listed. I didn't even mention Troy Everett, who's back again. He played some center last year. He's probably the favorite to be the starting center this season. Mm -hmm. He's back as well. But then look at all the guys they signed. Obviously, Eugene Brooks, Eddie Pierre-Louis, Daniel Akinkunmi. You mentioned Isosa, Isaiah Autry. Then there's these year two guys, Heath Ozida. Logan Howland, like I mentioned, Josh Bates and Jake Taylor already. I mean, that, that just there's a lot of names here. Like I'm just throwing out names of guys who could be. The reality is, you only need five. You need five to step up and to mesh together as a group. I, I I'm definitely less confident because how could you not be? It, it'd be crazy to say it's the same or more confident. I think anybody would agree with that. When you lose all five starters, it's never a spot you want to be in. Just the way it kind of worked out this year. Obviously, Caden Green's portaling was unexpected. You didn't yeah, have to. Yeah. You didn't plan for that to happen. Now you have to figure out how to move forward from it. They have lots of talent here. They were aggressive in the portal. They got a couple of year two guys and guys who, like we said, with Everett Sexton, who played a lot last year. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, it's going to be some some piecing it together and some figuring out. And that's why the spring is important. And that's why also I think when the season comes around and the fact that their schedule starts off pretty friendly. You know, I mean, relatively speaking, they have three pretty manageable non-conference games all at home. That first SEC game, while I guess a tough opponent in Tennessee, is at home. There's a chance to kind of get settled in here at the beginning of the year. I think that might help with the offensive line maybe more than anything. Because, yeah, I mean, the, the turnover is extreme. And at a level you don't often see. But there's a lot of guys here. And figuring out who that five is going to be mm -hmm. is going to be fascinating. It's going to be fun to watch that battle. And that first spring practice I know my eyes, and I'm sure yours, and a lot of people's eyes are going to go right over there like, who's the first team as of right now? Because it, there's a lot of guys you can make an argument for uh, as of right now. So mm -hmm. it'll be fun to watch. And I'm glad, you brought up, I'm glad you brought that back up. You know, a lot of these guys got playing time. And that was one of the big yeah. things I talked about at the end of the season was like, we didn't, we were like all confused on why there was so much rotation throughout the, you know, the line throughout the season. It was a, it was a lot of movement, different guys playing different spots. Sure throughout the entirety of the season it never really got stable and so that actually helps for those guys that are coming back as you mentioned you know Everett and, and Sexton and guys like that they're going to come back they do have some experience it's not like 
Mm-hmm. They're just being thrown out into the fire and don't know what to expect playing college football or, you know, even in the SEC. So that it, that was a plus about it. Even though you have to deal with the headache at the time of guys rotating all the time, having that is going to help out a lot. And I said that before, so I, I, mean, I, I really stand by that, and I'm, I'm hopeful to see what, what happens. I mean, and you talked about Eddie Pierre. He's another guy that I kind of liked. I kind of liked a lot before yeah. uh you know he he signed and got everything here so he was a guy that I crystal ball because i mean he he was just he could tell he was really with OU he was really good yeah. at OU and and he's going to look he he looked really good just you know running track i mean just <laughs> running yeah, track at that yeah. size he's going to be a really good athlete and that's going to help out a lot with this offensive line yeah both he and Eugene Brooks feel like probably could contribute right away if they needed him to so mm-hmm. there's some freshman options there coming in um, if you made me guess a starting five, I mean, I feel like Spencer Brown's probably one of your tackles, and then Jacob Sexton's likely the other one. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Everett's going to be your center, and then the two guards, Gary and Hatchet, probably, and then the Betchi Nuewu, probably. That's probably the five, I think, as of now, but there's a lot that could move around there. Mm-hmm. That's which probably you, my best guess at it right now, but it, which isn't a bad, it was, isn't a bad starting five as of right no, now. No, it's not a bad group. You think no. about, you know, you bring a guy from the transfer porter that that guy's expecting to play. So, I mean, that's, you know, pretty much what you said is, is kind of mm-hmm. what it, it, it probably is going to be, but that'll be one of the things that we're excited to see, you know, spring ball, things like that, you know, before the season yeah. and, and fall camp, all that stuff. So that'll we're be one thing to watch. Close. Yeah. Spring ball, very close. The calendar shifts to March later this week. We're, we're getting, we're getting close to mm-hmm. at least having some of these questions, at least partially answered uh, <laughs> here coming up very soon. Let's flip over to defense. Defensive tackles. Now, this is another group that there's kind of a sneaky lot of turnover. It hasn't been as talked about because there are some big names back, but there's also a lot of guys that are not going to be back. Isaiah Coe, the biggest one, obviously mm-hmm. nose tackle, was a big part of this defense um, the last couple of years, especially last season. He, he obviously, is his career is done at OU. He graduated off. Jordan Kelly, same thing. Um, Kelvin Gilliam hit the transfer portal. Phil Pay has gone as well. He didn't play a lot last year, but he was another guy that he moved on. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of kind of transitions here, but you did bring back to John Terry. That was a big win. We talked about that at the time. Jacob Man, Lacey massive. as well. Uh, now he's going to come back. They didn't have to do that. They could have went pro and, and seen what was out there, but they decided to mm-hmm. come back. You also bring back Grayson Holton, who's a bit of an X factor. Um, going into his third year has been a guy very – you know, he kind of has a, a buzz about it when his name comes up with other players and coaches and stuff. We haven't seen a whole lot on the actual field on Saturdays yet, but he's another guy. And then you're bringing in some very highly touted freshmen. The biggest, obviously, is David Stone, who, yep. you know, even though he's a true freshman, you know, I remember talking about it a couple of times with, with Colin, um, you know, kind of doing the signing day show and things like that. Who's most day one, you know, could, could help this team right away? And David Stone's got to be at the top of that list as a guy who could come right in and maybe not necessarily start, but could play a lot of snaps for you right away. And Jaden Jackson also coming in with them is a wrecking ball as well. We've talked about a lot. So this D tackle room, James, it feels like it's pretty solid at the top. You got some nice talent coming in, but then it, it's, it doesn't have quite that veteran presence that's been there because it just feels like guys like Isaiah Coe and Jordan Kelly especially have just been around forever, and mm. now they're not going to be there. And so – it, it feels pretty good, but maybe a little thin. Uh, maybe the best way to characterize it, where are you kind of at D-tackles-wise moving into 2024? I like where the Sooners are at on uh, d- defensive tackle. Yeah. I know you, you talked about the departures. Um, I mean, they're, they are they are big, but I like where OU's at because I, I think the caliber of guys that are, they're bringing in 
are really, really that good. I mean, they're five and four stars for a reason. And, you know, when we talk about defensive ends, that's all going to help as well on this defensive line, defensive line and where they're at. But the D tackles themselves, I really like Jaden Jackson, you know, and it's no reason not to like David Stone. I got to watch him as well. Like I talked about Jacob Sexton. I watched him a little bit at, when he was at Dale City High School in, in Oklahoma, his freshman and sophomore seasons, you know, in, out there. And, and he was already one of those guys that you really had to pay attention to. I mean, it was it was a big deal. And, and you see Jaden Jackson, the type of impact that he's going to have. And we just saw it in their in their in their game. They had after their high school season, it was a really, really good performance from them. Mm-hmm. But th- did they both get MVP? Is that what it was? Can't remember off, off the top of my head of what happened there. Stone but, did right, didn't he? At uh, I think they had co. I don't know, maybe. Don't but remember. you know, there was it was a really good outing from those two guys, and it showed you a lot about their skill set. So I mean, I really like who they're bringing in, and, and you talk about the guys that are coming back that could have went to the could have went to the NFL. You think you know you, those guys for certain could would been a pick or at least got a spot somewhere. So that yeah. shows you they're really good, you know, in their terms. So, I mean, I really like where the defensive tackles are right now. I'm not sure if I'm overconfident or from where I was last year, but I'm about the same, I feel like, even and with the departures that they have because because of the guys that they're bringing in. That's that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm the same. Um, it was a solid group last year. It's tough when you lose, especially Isaiah Coe. I mean, he was kind of the, mm-hmm. the guy there. But bringing Terry back is nice, especially considering that DeJon Terry, remember, last year was a summer transfer mm-hmm. so he didn't have the winter and spring last year mm-hmm. obviously have that this time so I, that can only help him and um, he's played in the sec already so he yeah I mean, right he experience that, there like he, yeah for he sure he's played his former team um in that first sec game tennessee yep. Yep. um yeah you bring Lacey back and then yeah david stones uh, i mean every ou fan is very well aware of this <laughs> of this guy at this point <laughs> and what he is going to be uh potentially we all think he's a star in the making future nfl player all that it's tough to ask him to come in and just in the SEC as a true freshman, but if anybody could do it, I mean, he's a five star for a reason. He's he's superb. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's that guy. So I think I, I think I'm with you. I think I feel about the same. I think they brought back some nice pieces. Like I said, the X factor really is Grayson Halton to me because if you told me right now that Grayson Halton, you know, plays all the you know, he stays healthy, he's a big, he's a contributor, a rotational piece, or maybe even starting at some point this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel just exponentially better um, than he's kind of the, the swing man here for me one way or another. <laughs> and so going into his third year, I, I look for him to make a jump because if he makes that jump, I think this D tackle room is pretty good. And Todd Bates is obviously a great coach, but a lot of guys in the, in the league. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun group to watch as well. And we'll talk about the outside part of it, which is crazy loaded um, yeah. next week. Uh, it was already loaded. They brought back some D guys and they added some studs. So we'll talk about that more in depth uh, next week as we go outside. But yeah, that D tackle room, I think, is in a good spot. I would say I'm with you. I think about the same as of now, which is not a bad thing considering what you lost. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. a compliment, frankly, considering what you lost. So there you have it. Like I said, next week we'll do DNs and what I say, linebackers next week. Then we'll close with cornerbacks and safeties two weeks from now. And that'll be right about the start of spring camp. So we'll just kind of shift into what's going on from, from spring ball, which we're looking forward to. Looking forward to getting to talk to some of these guys, meet some of the new guys, see them in pads, uh, get out some open practices. Uh, you know, it kind of, I joke about it at the beginning of the season as well, when fall camp starts. It's like you talk about the team and these new guys for so long that they almost are just a, like a concept more than an actual thing. And so, like, we've been talking about some of these transfers. Like, they got Spencer Brown from Michigan State 
like over two months ago. Mm-hmm. And so the chance to actually see him and like these other transfers and what they look like will be yeah. very beneficial uh, yeah. for us. We yeah. look forward to that coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks. We're getting close. We're getting close. Elsewhere on the football front, Jay Nunez's replacement has been brought in. Most OU fans well aware. If you listen to the show, you know, Jay Nunez left OU for Alabama last, uh, was it earlier this month or last month? About three or four weeks ago. He moved on to Alabama, the special teams analyst. They've now brought in his replacement, Doug Deacon from San Diego State, our own Colin Kennedy and Matt Zenitz broke that story uh, late last week. Deacon was with San Diego State for a long time, 17 years in different roles. And San Diego State's a really good special teams team. Uh, they were top, I think, 10, right, in ESPN's efficiency mm-hmm. model for special teams last three seasons. So kind of hard to gauge special teams sometimes, but that's you know pretty encouraging if you're a Oklahoma fan. I mean, the special teams last year wasn't great, right? I mean, two years ago, three years ago, I guess now, the last year under Lincoln Riley, it was kind of a disaster. And Brent Venables came in and hired Jay Nunez to fix it, and it was better. It was a lot better in 2022 than last year kind of took a step back. And now you're hoping that this hire can get it swung back the right direction. Obviously, James, it's hard to know what exactly this hire will do, but at the very least, he's got a good track record, been around a long time. San Diego State was a good special teams team, and we'll see where we go. Obviously, it's an off-field role. They already have their 10 on-field coaches, so he's going to be the special teams analyst, not coordinator officially, even though that, that's what he'll be, essentially. Mm-hmm. Where do you kind of feel about the hire, and what are you looking forward to seeing with uh, with Mr. Deacon here running the show for the special teams now? Yeah, it'd be kind of strange. I mean, this, this first year, like – so in college football, I mean, the personnel on the field also is the responsibility of the coach because you're the one that's recruiting these guys in. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you think of a coach, you think of a guy that's just doing the concepts. And and, and for Jay Nunez's credit, his guys were in position for everything. You know, all the errors that happened last year, there was really never a time where it was like, what? nobody was even over there. What what happened there? You know yeah, what I mean? It was always, downs, yeah. you know, it was just regular stuff, just the personnel stuff that happened. So for Doug, I mean, it would be like, this year, just seeing what your concepts are. I mean, I don't know how much more you can improve it without having the guys that are coming in that you wanted to come in. I mean, it was the same way with Burton Venables his first year as the head coach. So, I mean, not too much to expect. I don't think I would be really paying attention to his performance this year necessarily unless there's just a bunch of just like mishaps mm-hmm. and people out of place. That's the only time I would really think about it because just like Brent Venables, I want to give him time to see what he can actually do when he actually brings, you know, guys in that he wants, you know, things like that. So, that's where I'm at with him right now. I mean, he has a very good resume. We, 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 you just talked about it, and it shows that he's very loyal to a program because yeah. 17 years in one place is that's pretty good. So, yeah. you know, hope that's hopefully that's a good sign for OU that he he would stay around and you know be a good guy for them. So, really like where they're at with him, but you know, just not like I said, not gonna not gonna judge him too much this first season. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm really interested in you know. Uh, some of these jobs, because, you know, Gavin Freeman was your punt returner. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's still here. Jalo Farouk ran kicks back primarily. Zach Schmidt was your kicker. These are all guys that are still on the team. So I'm curious if we'll see movement in those jobs, in those responsibilities, mm-hmm. or if they're going to more status quo and try to improve that way. I mean, we're that's something that I don't know how much we'll learn in the spring, frankly, because they're going to work a lot of guys back there in punt return and all that. We really won't really have a good feel for it, probably until pretty close to the season. But – you know, the special teams was, you know, like we like we said, just, you know, the kicking game wasn't great. Schmidt had a tough year. We talked well about that. Also, Gavin Freeman had the punt return back in the opener 
It had some muffs and some other scary moments. Joel Farouk had, had some tough spots as well. So just um, buttoning that up is going to be the main thing. The bar is kind of low, for lack of a better term. I mean, fans were pretty frustrated last year. So I think if you just eliminate some mistakes, you just can't have yeah, yeah, yeah. turnovers and just brutal mistakes on it. You know, they had the, the was it against Kansas where they muffed the the kick on like the pooch kick. I think it was Marcus Stripling, right? I think that was Kansas game. Stuff like that happening kind of here and there all year. So just trying to button some of that up would be probably the main thing that fans are looking for um, moving into this year. So they were just all ill timed. Yeah. It was ill timed as well. Like if it wasn't so yeah. ill timed, it would have been okay. Like I think Jalil Farouk, he fumbled in the opening kickoff of Tulsa, right? It was at the Tulsa game. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I mean, like something like that, you can come back from. I mean, it's so early on, and the defense went out there and did their job. So it was all right. But like some of those were just so timely. Like right mm-hmm. when you get a stop or something, like it was just brutal. And so you have to go back out there. The mental exhaustion of it as a player is what's so tough about it. You know, having to go back out there as a defense and trying to stop them again. So I right. mean, that's what it was. So also, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend to know. I'd be curious to know the dynamic in terms of who decides some of those things, like who wins those jobs. Is Brent Venables the one? Because we we know for a fact, because Brent has said it, like the running back that gets the carries, that's DeMarco Murray's call. The position coaches kind of get to decide the hierarchy of their group. When it came to those special teams jobs, was it Jay making those calls or was it Brent? Because, you know, like last year, you know, Josh Plaster was the punter and it was all right. Then they went to Luke Elzinga and he was great. The middle of the year, the bat, it was kind of like, why was this guy not the punter the whole time? Who was kind of making that? So I think kind of finding the right pieces a little quicker, I think, would be another thing for 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 Doug Deacon this year. Uh, great name, by the way, Doug Deacon. I, I like saying it. It's fun to say. It's like an alliteration almost, but yeah. Yeah, I like it. Um, so that ought to be another thing. So just some kind of basic things. And again, it's hard to know exactly what to expect. He does have experience in coaching tight ends, too, which is maybe a little helpful, considering that Joe John Finley is also the co-offensive coordinator now. So he has somebody that can maybe help him a little bit if he needs it. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a, just looking for some extra little pieces there. But, uh, yeah, so they made a special teams hire, replacement in mm-hmm. with Doug Deacon, and we'll be sure to look and see how that looks throughout spring and in the next season. So the Sooners Illustrated podcast will be back after this short break. Shifting over to basketball on the hardwood, it was a bedlam weekend all around for <laughs> Men's and women's hoops. They both won in very different fashions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to start with the men. Unbelievable game uh, in Stillwater. I was there at Gallagher Iba on Saturday. I'm sure everyone has seen the shot by mm-hmm. now. Probably. I, I've I've watched it myself like 50 times. At least. Like, I've watched it so many. Every time it's on my timeline, <laughs> I just I can't not watch it. It's, it's amazing. Both the regular broadcast. Shout out Toby Rowland on the radio. Great broad call of that. Um, my own personal shot like on the baseline, which is on our YouTube channel right now. If you guys want to go check that out, it, it's on there. Unbelievable. This was a great basketball game, uh, first off. Oklahoma State played really well. I know they've had a tough year, but they've been playing better lately. They come in on a two-game winning streak. OU needed that game really badly as they try to get back to the tournament. And it was just back and forth all game long. I mean, Oklahoma State played at a high level. OU played at a high level. Um Even if OU had lost, obviously it would be bad if OU lost that game. And we would be sitting here right now saying, smash the panic button. Tournament is in peril right now. Yep. But even if they lost, I really genuinely do think I would have come here and said, I think they played well and just got beat because they played pretty well the whole game. They matched them. Every time they needed a big bucket, they seemingly got it. 
the big three in the corner by John, I think it was John Michael Wright in overtime, Milo Susan's hand was right in his face in the corner. He just, he just ripped it. It was just a great shot. One of those, like, what can you do? Tip your cap type of moments. And they just found a way to respond every single time. And that JV McCollum shot, I mean, it's going to live forever. It's going to live absolutely forever. I mean, for him to do that, you know, the play, I've seen a lot of fans talk about it and have asked, you know, what was the plan? Because mm-hmm. the possession was a little herky-jerky. The plan, Porter Moser talked about it, and McCollum did too. Talked about it post game. The plan was to open up a lane, preferably. They thought OSU was going to be in zone, and they thought they could move guys around, create a lane, get McCollum to the basket, and probably get fouled. And he's their best free throw shooter. They're only down one, at least tie the game and probably take the lead. That was the plan. But Oklahoma State defended it really well. They closed it off. He had nowhere to go. And so he went to his step back three, which is his favorite move, and he ripped it. And there you go. You win the game. Unbelievable game. Unbelievable moment. They had to have it. I'm not going to say they've clinched the tournament, but they're close. I think probably one more win, and you're you're probably there. Mm-hmm. James, I'm sure you watched the the the, the buzzer beater. I've seen it. Times. I've seen it many times. I've seen I mean, it many it's, times. It's, how could you not? Everybody's seen it. As, it, as it, seen it. As soon as it happened, my mom called. Yeah. She's an alum of OU, so she called me and was screaming like, "Oh my gosh!" He, he can't believe he did. I was like, "Oh wow, that's crazy!" Yeah, like <laughs> it was one of those shots, man. It was it was it's going to be one of those legendary shots because. It was the final Baylor game too, like in you know, yeah. in water especially. So, like that's a you know a good way to end that run is if it you know so happens to end and things like that. So, really incredible shot. I'm, I'm actually wondering, like curious, what would your call have been to somebody who wants to get into broadcasting? You would have, would you have used your fake word there? What's going on with was was it flammable? Was it flaming? What is what is it word? Yeah, flammable, uh, uh, flammered. Yeah, flammered. Oh my goodness, Young, uh, who's actually an Oklahoma State commit with that dunk the other day. Uh, Kind of broke my brain there for a moment. Maybe I mean I don't know. Toby Toby did a great job uh, on the radio. Yeah. Now I'll say you know I was right there in the baseline. Um, and again, the, the clip is on our YouTube channel. If you want to see it? But I, I've I've been fortunate to be around you know for a little while, not as long as some of these other guys certainly, but I've been around for a little while now. And as far as like coolest things I've been at and got to be up close to, that's up there. I mean, it was it was a surreal thing. You know, we we rush out to the court and just the emotion on those guys face that was such an emotional game i mean the mm-hmm. fans were all over these guys they were giving it back to the fans throughout the game um and then i mean it was it was mayhem afterward their locker room is right by where the post game room is mm-hmm. at uh, oklahoma state oh you know, visiting locker room is and you could just the, the music was like shaking the walls while while porter came in to do put because they were it was electric it was absolutely yeah. electric and i do think probably one more win gets him there now, that's easier said than done because the schedule is daunting, uh, to say the least. They have Iowa State tomorrow, who's number eight in Ames, and then number one, Houston, mm. coming to Norman on Saturday night. The return of Kelvin Sampson, his first time back since his tenure ended unceremoniously almost 20 years ago now. That's going to be a crazy moment, uh, environment on Saturday. I'm really excited for that one. Um, and then Cincinnati comes to Norman, and then they close at Texas before the Big 12 tournament. So they're close to locking it up. Um, but, man, they had to have that. That was a huge win. And I uh, mean, what all-timer. What an awesome job we have, man. I mean, to see it is. OU yeah. Texas, Dylan Gabriel pass to yeah. end the win the game and then have that shot go in as well. I mean, like, it's a pretty cool job. Seeing some electrifying historic moments that, you know, we always hear, you know, older guys tell their stories about, you know, you know, Marcus Dupree, you know, he did his thing back in the day. He did this sure. and this. And, it, these are the, like the type of shots and type of plays that we get to carry on and, and really talk about later on down the line. So it's pretty cool 
what we do it right is. here, man. It is. I just think for like for Javian, like you know, he's gonna have a he's gonna have a place in OU history forever because of that shot. Like that's that's mm -hmm. such cool, exactly. that's so cool for him. You know what exactly. I mean? Just know that that shot is gonna. We'll, we'll see it again thirty years from now. It'll it'll come up on little fly. Remember on this day thirty years ago. Remember this? That was awesome. I remember that. <laughs> um, it was great. Yeah. Now the other end of the spectrum, they didn't need a buzzer beater um, at all. The it women's was team uh, at Oklahoma State in Norman on Saturday mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and absolutely rolled them. Um, blowout win for Jenny mm -hmm. Bronchek's team. They've had an unbelievable run. This, this, this. You know, it. We talked about it like two months ago. It kind of felt like a hot streak, and it. I don't think hot streaks can can last throughout the entire Big 12 play. I think that <laughs> that's almost disingenuous what the team is doing. They're just good. Uh, they're just really good. Um, they win again. They blow out Oklahoma State. They're one win away from winning the Big 12 um, again. They have two Big 12 games left, but they have Texas tomorrow at the LNC. I actually was at Jenny Bronchek's presser just earlier today. She talked right after Porter did. Mm -hmm. um, that's on the YouTube channel right now if anybody wants to check that out. She talked about this game tomorrow and just the moment of it and everything. What can you say, James? They dominate Bedlam. They sweep Bedlam. Both teams swept Bedlam. 4-0 in basketball this year, men and women, in Bedlam games on the way out, like you said. No telling when they'll play again. And now, here you go. You have one game against Texas at home. You beat the first time. Now, Texas is a top-five team, so it's not like, oh, they beat them the first time, they'll beat them again. It doesn't work like that, not, yeah. not in yeah. this situation. But here you go. A, a game to go win the Big 12 would be back-to-back -back Big 12 titles on the way out going to the SEC ginormous game tomorrow. What was kind of your vantage point of Saturday and how they played and look ahead to tomorrow a little bit for us because that's going to be a scene there tomorrow. If they beat Texas tomorrow, which I'm going to this game because I really I really want to see what's happening out there with this Probably one. Probably a great crowd. They, they beat Texas. I mean, this is – I expect a major jump in the AP poll for the Sooners. I mean, they're ranked number 20 right now. They're underranked. Yeah. yeah. They're just like – they're not – I don't know if they're all the where they should be yet because there's, there's so many Big 12 teams ahead of them on the thing, but – they're the, they're leading in the conference. I don't. It, it just We're makes no sense. Yeah. I've wrote it. I've wrote it a couple of times on the on the AP. Like for some reason, they're not even <laughs> ahead of these teams. But yeah, it's weird. So like, if OU beats Texas here, it's going to be a really massive win for them. As you as you talked about what they've done over the year, it was like when they first started. It was like okay, those are just the newcomers they're beating to the conference. I mean, they're not very good, you know, stuff like that. But then the ball kept rolling. I mean, you, you started beating teams like Kansas State and Texas the first time. This is a real deal team. I mean, this team is really good. They have they have so much depth. Like Skylar is usually the one that's leading the pack. Yes, but mm -hmm. when she's not on, there's times where other girls are having career nights. You know, like Kirsten Johnson had her career night. You know, and Sahara Williams had her career night. Peyton Verhos. I mean, players like that. It's just been it's just been outstanding so far this season because when somebody doesn't like when Skylar doesn't have her best game, somebody else can step up and the team just doesn't lose a beat. And then you talked about it, Jenny. She she coaches them, man. They play really good defense in, in, in certain times and certain spots. They really help them win these games because it's a groove now. They they got they've gotten to a groove, and I mean they're ending it out pretty well. I mean it's, it's amazing what's going on. It is. It, it's been fun to watch, and you know it it's crazy because you know this team was not not expected to be bad, but they lost so much from last year. It was kind of a a rebuilding kind of transition type of year. Mm -hmm. If them to be doing this is just ahead of schedule for where they, they're supposed to be, mm -hmm. they're eyeballing winning the Big 12 again. And, you know, Jenny talked about it at her press conference today that, you know, tomorrow night's the last home game, so it's senior night. They only have two seniors that are walking. I mean, mm -hmm. they had taught, we'll be back. Skylar Van will be back. Lexi Keys will be back. Verhulst will be back. Sarah Williams will be back. Like, 
<laughs> all those names that you talk about all the time that are doing all, the, a lot, the vast majority are going to be back on this team next year in the SEC. So there's a lot to be excited about. And uh, Jane Rochick gave a really cool answer right at the end of the press conference. I recommend if you don't watch the whole thing, at least go to the end. The last question she was asked was about, I guess, kind of the crowd and the excitement for this game. And she kind of, it was a cool answer because she said, you know, I hope that people come to the game tomorrow, not because it's Texas or that it's because it's a Big 12 championship game, essentially, de facto Big 12 championship game. But I hope people come because they see what we're doing and they see what we're building and they want to be a part of the ride. Basically, like, don't come just to hate Texas. Come because you love what we're building kind yep. of a thing. Yep. And it was a cool answer. It's different. You know, your coaches kind of talk in that way sometimes. And she's just a great coach. She's a great coach, leading a great program. And the year they've had is insane. And like I said, we have we keep hopping on the show, and I always said the same thing, like they just keep winning. It, it's been the entire Big 12 play. Um, it's not a it's not a hot stretch or anything. It's just they're just good. And uh, mm-hmm. they've built it up, and they've gotten better and better and better as it's gone. And that's going to be a crazy game tomorrow. So I'll be, I'll be uh, tuned in tomorrow, that's for sure. The men play at the same time, so I'll, have to, I'll be double screening it tomorrow night. But <laughs> the one thing I really like about Jenny, Coach Jenny is – She's very like honest. You you rarely yes. like I don't think actually I don't think I've ever heard her give like a coach's speak type of answer to something. It's like always really open and really honest about the situation. She said earlier in the year, she does she she thinks, you know, maybe when we look at it, we maybe we, we were ranked too high in the preseason poll and the expectations were just brought on us too high. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, during the time they had their little rough stretch and things like that. She actually said it. And I was like, Okay, that's that's weird for a coach to say, you know, sure. and it, and it just worked out well for them so far. Now, like sometimes she says stuff like, "And this, if this got on a hot take show, it would be one of those things that just <laughs> gets driven down." But you know, what I mean, like, but she stands by everything she says, and I, I really appreciate that, especially as a journalist getting to ask her questions. You really, all, oftentimes, get the truthful answer. You know, things like that. We we've talked about injuries to players and actually gotten the injury and what it was and things like that. Sure. And she's just like. Let's give them respect, though, and let them announce certain things. You know, this stuff like that happens all the time. And so she's she's really good. She's really honest. I really like that about her, for sure. For sure. No, absolutely. I completely agree. So mm-hmm. look forward to that game tomorrow night. It's been a big, big ball night tomorrow for OU fans. The men will be in Ames, uh, and the women will be hosting Texas, both with top 10 matchups. Uh, going to be fun. going to be fun night of basketball. Oklahoma 247sports.com. Tom does a great job covering the men. James got a great job covering the women. Also hop in and help with video aspects, things like that. Big night of hoops tomorrow. We hope you uh, join along on the site. A couple of game threads going at the same time, I'm sure. And uh, be a good good night of basketball tomorrow. Fun end of the season. Both teams, the women are in the tournament. The men are in good shape to make the tournament. I have to look up when the last time both made it. because I think it's I think it's been a little bit because the the you know the end of the Sherry Cole tenure was not great. You know, Jane Bronchick has come in and has really turned it around and made the tournament what would be all three Six years. 6-0 against Bits. It gets OSU, though. There you go. She's Porter rocking. hasn't made the tournament yet. When's the last time they, they both made it? It has to have been not insanely long, but it has to have been a little while. And we're in position to maybe have that. So mm-hmm. shout out to the basketball programs. Mm-hmm. I think that's it uh, on the show today. Good show. Um, mm-hmm. Just James and I, but I think we covered a lot of ground. We hit a lot of things. Uh, Colin will be back on the Thursday show. Hit some other recruiting stuff uh, as the calendar gets ready to shift into March. Spring ball coming up. Colin dropped in a uh, crystal ball today. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, on the Thursday program. We'll get into that a little bit further. And uh, also recap the night that was hoops uh, Wednesday night. We'll talk about the basketball games a little bit, both the men and women, with uh, those big games. So be sure to tune in on Thursday. We're back with Tom next Monday, probably. We have not been able to get on a Monday 
<laughs> in a month. That's Keep why we were on. laughing at the beginning. That's that's uh, what it was like. Keep on, on Tuesdays uh, for just various reasons. I think Monday, maybe Tuesday. I don't know. Early. He has no week, idea. He has no idea for us. <laughs> I'm hesitant to say Monday anymore. Uh, and I, mean, I feel like we'll recap the weekend and we'll do our stash report series, uh, which will be linebackers defensive ends. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Tuesday shows are working pretty well, though, but just because of stuff seems to always happen on Monday, and we can also yeah. talk about it as well and things like that. So. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see what happens. Also, Josh and I are going to talk about softball and baseball pretty soon. I know some people have been asking about that. Sure. It's going to be on there, man. We're, sure. No, programs are doing right, right now, you know, we got the basketball once, especially when we get a little into more of the meaty part of exactly. the, the softball baseball season. Exactly. Certainly the postseason, but probably before then, that those will become bigger parts of the show for sure. Um, for right now, we're kind of in football in the end of basketball mode, but those, we're covering them hard. James all over softball. I've been all over baseball. Love's Field opens this week, by the way. Are you going to get to Norman for, for the Love's Field? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm already there. I got my request in. We're, we're there, man. That's going to be cool. That's going to be I, really I can't cool. miss that. I'm, I'm hoping for the statue. If I didn't have uh, high school basketball playoffs on Friday, I might try to find a way to get down there because mm-hmm. that, that's, that's going to be really neat uh, this weekend. Oh, yeah. The opening of Love's Field. That'd be cool. It's not completely done yet, right? But it'll still it'll still be cool. Mm-hmm. It'll still be neat. So the, love, the, the fans will get their full experience, but the inside where the players are, that's not complete. Right. right. The rest of it's done. So. Right. This would be, be cool. be cool. This would be a cool deal. A lot going on. Just busy time. Busy time. Spring, <laughs> when spring football and spring football is coming up really fast. It is mm-hmm. rearview mirror objects are closer than they appear. Like it is, it is right there. So mm-hmm. it, it's a fun time here. Busy time here, but a fun time here. And so great time to become a VIP subscriber to Oklahoma 247sports.com. Yes. And be sure you tune into the podcast every Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, whatever it is. Uh all throughout the spring into the summer. And then obviously next football season will be here before you know it as well. So that's it for now. Colin Kennedy will be with me on Thursday for the Thursday show. We'll be back with Tom next Monday slash Tuesday. For James E. Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys next time on the Sooners Illustrated podcast. See you.